0: The clearest and most concise description of what the gospel message is all about is given in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 4, which reads, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. The central focus of these verses is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what He accomplished. He was sent by God, the source, to do a great work, and dying for sin on the cross. Yes, he really died and was buried in a tomb, and he rose again just as he said he would. This is the gospel, my friend, nothing more and certainly nothing less. It is clear from this portion of Scripture that the person of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, is all-important, a sinless, spotless sacrifice, was made on our behalf at Calvary, and God, being well-pleased with that atoning work he completed, raised him from the dead. Please listen to our message today as speaker Marvin Dirksen explains further.
1: 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll just read verse number 1 for the context. Paul is writing to the assembly of believers at this large city of Corinth in Greece. He's explaining exactly what the gospel is all about. So he says in verse 1 of First Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, that would be of Peter, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained unto this present, but some are fallen asleep, some had died, after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, Paul writes, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Now, it's really verse 3 and verse 4 that I'd like to look at tonight because Paul is giving us some very clear, defining truths concerning the message of the gospel. What is it? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. I'm well aware that there are individuals and they are not really sure what the gospel is all about. Let me tell you tonight that this is not our message or this is not our gospel. This is not something that we have put together. This is a far greater mandate. Romans chapter 1, this is the gospel of God. The gospel of God. So that God has spoken to us. God has conveyed his interest. God has given us some... Very important information. The Lord Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach this message, preach the gospel to every creature. So the very source, the source of this message is heaven itself. Now that gives an entirely different perspective, doesn't it? This is not something that has come from earth. This is something that has come from the very heart of God. This is a a message that concerns God's own beloved son that's the subject and that's what we want to look at tonight that this concerns a person not a church not a creed not an ordinance not even a lifestyle it concerns a person and romans chapter 1 tells us about his own dear son that's the subject this is a message that changes lives this is not academic this is not theory this is a message and this is a person that changes everything in life and changes everything In eternity. In fact, if you say that you're a Christian and your life has never been changed, then I would suggest that you examine the foundation. Because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, if any man has received Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, that does not mean that a person, when they trust Christ, becomes perfect. Not at all. No, but everything has changed. Our attitude toward Christ has changed. Our attitude even toward sin has changed. And while a a Christian, a real believer, is not sinless, they do sin less. Their life has changed. If you want to have some proof of that, just look at a Christian around you and ask how you were saved and what marked your life before. And you will find a wide, wide parameter of experience. There are some here that never attended a gospel service. Till they heard the gospel and their life was changed. There are some, no doubt, here that they were drunkards. Loved the bottle. But now everything has changed. There were some that maybe were very religious. But when they heard the gospel, they faced their sin and they came to love the Lord Jesus. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So let me ask you, what does the gospel mean to you tonight? Because Romans chapter 1, verse 16 tells us about a power that God desires that we might experience. But tonight we have looked at a different aspect of the gospel. It concerns a person that God desires that you would embrace, or just simply put, that you would come to appreciate, you would receive him. And you know what Paul is writing about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? The verses here take us to three places. I like what John Phillips mentioned about this. That First Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4 take us to three places. It takes us to a cross, and we want to go there tonight by faith. It takes us to a cemetery, because he was buried. And yes, it takes us to a calendar. You say, calendar? Calendar. Because the scripture says, just watch the third day. Watch the third day. Circle it. Raised from the dead. Rose again the third day, according to the scriptures and tonight we want to tell you that this gospel message this message of salvation of forgiveness of deliverance of hope of knowing you have eternal life it focuses upon a person and upon what he accomplished at a place called calvary that's why this verse tells us christ died for our sins oh you say i've known that all my life I've known that since I was just knee high to a grasshopper, as the expression goes. But tonight is more than just a fact. Because this is the very focus of the gospel message. That there was a person who came, and he came to deal with our greatest problem. Our greatest problem is not unemployment, or job security, or whatever else you might, we won't go into politics, or all the things that people are facing tonight. The biggest problem that any of us will ever face concerns our sin what we've done and the results of that sin Do you know the bible says that the wages the wages of sin is death now i'm going to date myself when i say this but when i was working during my university days payday involved a real paycheck there was no direct deposit. the boss would come around with a little envelope and he would say, Marv, here's your wages. And I would say, thank you. I worked hard for that. Those days I was getting $72 a week. Taxes out. $2 an hour, 40 hours a week. Good pay. No, not really. But those are my wages. I earned them. It was coming to me. It was mine. The solemn thing is is that God tells us there's wages for sin. The wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, although that's included. But you see, there is such a thing as spiritual death. Death is separation, isn't it? Physical death, the soul leaves the body. The real person departs. And that's why we say, and rightly so, he's gone. She's gone. What do we mean? The body is still there, but the real person has moved out. Moving day has come. A separation. But you see, when sin comes in, there's a spiritual separation between us And God. And the very serious and tragic thing is that if we continue on in our sins, a day will come when we will reap the ultimate wages. The wages of sin is death. And that's why this verse, this truth is a very, very amazing and yet wonderful statement. Because Paul is saying this is the gospel. How that Christ died for Our sins. Those five words are tremendous. And I have often thought if we only had the first two, we'd have the truth, but it would be an historical fact. Christ died. And that's an amazing thing. Because you see, when we speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ means the sent one, the Messiah, the one who was sent on a definite mission. He was none other than, God incarnate, not just a man, although he became a real man, but he was God in human flesh. And as we sometimes sing, down from the glory the Savior came, down to the cross, and the death of Shea. And as we examine that life of this man called Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we would note some amazing things. He was without sin. There were those that scrutinized him. There were those that set traps for him. There are those that examined him over and over and over again. A lifespan of 33 years. Now, that's not a small test. And at the end of those 33 years, there wasn't one individual that could find any fault, any failure, any blemish, any imperfection, any sin in this man called Jesus. Sinless, spotless. I have to tell you, that doesn't apply to me. And I need to tell you, that doesn't apply to you either. You know why? The Bible says all have sinned. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He was marked by perfection. He was marked by tremendous power. He was marked by omniscience. He knew everything. And people were amazed as they spoke to him. And they must have said, how does he know about me? He knows all about my past life. My dear friend, he knows all about your past life. He knows all about my past life. You see, he is God in human flesh. And yet, as we listen to his words, as we follow his pathway, we begin to understand that he knew, he knew where he was going. He spoke openly about the fact that he was going to die. Now, all of us are headed in that direction, aren't we? We are all terminal patients. But none of us tonight are speaking about our death, necessarily. No, no, we're, we're born to live. You know that when the Lord Jesus came into this world, he had come to lay down his life, lay down his life as a substitute and so this singular statement christ died is historical truth because there was a day when soldiers took some nails and a hammer a mallet and pierced pierced his hands and his feet very likely three nails one here one here could well be that they had put those two feet across each other and one nail down through both And on the cross was lifted up. He'd been taken out to Skull Hill to die. And the Bible tells us that's exactly what happened. Christ died. But that doesn't help us tonight, does it? That's just historical fact. We need something more because our big problem of sin is a very personal one. And so if we had a few more words in that statement, it might be helpful to us. And so we could read, Christ died for sins. Now that'd be an amazing statement, wouldn't it? Because he had no sin. So why was he dying? Ah, we understand that he was dying as a substitute. He was taking the place of somebody else. He was answering to charges that were against other people, not himself. So we could read, Christ died for sins. Let me ask you, would that help you personally? If I only had four words, I would wonder now, whose sins? Whose sins did he die for? I need something more. And my dear friend, you need something more. And so we have read these five golden words, Christ died for our sins. I don't know if you've ever appreciated that because you see, this is more than just an historical fact. This is personal truth. When a person by faith comes to understand that the man upon that middle cross was there because of my sin, because of my desperate need. And there upon that cross, he paid the entire debt He bridged that tremendous gap between us and God. He satisfied all that God demanded. So much so that at the end of that suffering at the cross, he could cry with a triumphant cry, it's finished. Now, don't mistake that. He didn't say, I'm finished. Didn't hang his head. He said, I tried, but it's it's all gone. No, no, my friend, this is a triumphant cry. Finished. It means paid in full. It means fulfilled. It means nothing to add. In fact, it just comes to mind, a few years ago, we were at the Toronto Conference. That's Easter time. And interestingly, it was snowing, so I still remember the night. Sunday night, we have spoken on John 19, verse 30, where the Lord Jesus cried, it is finished. And there was a young Greek couple there. They're Greek-speaking, personal friends of ours. And uh, so I just said, uh, I'd be interested. Do you have your Greek New Testament with you? She said, I do. I said, would you do me a favor, look up that verse and tell me what it means in the Greek New Testament, finished. Now, she didn't know what I was looking for. So she turned to John 19, verse 30, found the verse and looked at it. And she says, well, it kind of means um it's a done deal. There's no point in talking any further. I said, exactly, exactly. It's a done deal, finished. There's no point in talking any further. No my dear friend tonight god wants you to understand this tremendous truth there was a man sent from heaven his own beloved son and he willingly he willingly and voluntarily gave his life and shed his blood and died for our sins is that good news there couldn't be any greater news because you say we need to have our sins forgiven We need to address the tremendous debt that our sin has brought us into. And tonight there was a a man who hung upon a cross. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Not just a man. And there upon that cross, he accomplished the great victory and paid the entire bill that our sins deserve. You know, if you were to look at the Medal of Honor record in the U.S. history, you will find many, many stories of Men and women that have made valiant, heroic sacrifices for the benefits of others. I recall reading about a young Marine, 20 years of age, James Anderson Jr., during the Vietnam War, he was born in 1947. This was 1967. 20 is pretty young, isn't it? Pretty young. James Anderson Jr. from Los Angeles, California, was advancing through some jungle terrain toward the enemy line when that little band of Marines came under some very, very heavy enemy fire. From what I can discern, it's likely from about where I'm standing to maybe the coat rack or maybe the end of this auditorium. It was very close. And those Marines dove for cover and then regrouped and began to try and advance again. And all of a sudden, there was a, there was a grenade that was thrown from the enemy lines and it came right down into the midst of them and rolled up alongside of James Anderson Jr.'s head. And that young Marine from Los Angeles knew what that meant. And without very much thought, he grabbed a hold of that grenade, put it to his chest, curled himself around that grenade. And in a moment, that grenade went off. And a young 20-year-old Marine gave his life to save his buddies. That's happened over and over and over again. That's Marine training. That's the closeness that those Marines feel to one another. But I want to tell you, when it comes to Calvary, the man upon that middle cross was not dying for fellow Marines. He was dying for people that hated him, that spit upon his face, that had cried out for his blood, that saw no value in him. And tonight we have read this amazing statement, Christ died. Christ died for our sins. That is the greatest message, my dear friend, you could hear tonight. That there is a Savior who has accomplished this tremendous work. Nothing left to be done. It's not that he does 90% and now he says, Now, Marv, you've got to do 10%. That's not very much, but you've got to do your part. If I only had to do 1%, I would mess it up. I could never do enough. No, he says, I've done it all. I've completed the work. And now God, in his grace and his kindness, he turns around and says, Marv, here's a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's what we want to tell you tonight. There's a gift costly to God, costly to Christ, but all offered as a, as a free gift. I trust and pray you'll take it and receive Christ tonight because we have read about the cross. We're only touching the fringe of the fringe, but then there's a cemetery. Two kind friends asked permission to take that body down from the cross. If they hadn't done that, The intent of the populace would be just to throw him into the dump. But Joseph and Nicodemus went and begged the body of Jesus and very tenderly removed that body from the cross. How they got the nails out, I don't know. They embalmed that body and wrapped it in linen. And very tenderly, two men carried the still form of their friend, put it in a new tomb, turned away and rolled that big stone in front of it. And the world said, it's the end of him we won't have to worry about him anymore. The blasphemer has been judged. Oh, let me tell you tonight that the stone at the tomb couldn't hold the rock of ages. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, that's not the end of the story. Because tonight we have read about the calendar. That there was a moment upon that first day of the week, it was the third day. Just as he said, he was raised from the dead the third day according to the scriptures. The third day in the Bible is very interesting. Because do you know that on the third day of creation, the third day of creation, that the continents were brought into view. In other words, they came up from a watery grave. Dry land appeared on the third day. Interesting, isn't it? And there was a man called Jonah. You remember Jonah? That disobedient prophet? Finally thrown into the sea. And this large fish that God had prepared swallowed it up. And finally, Jonah says, "Salvations of the Lord! And the third day, Jonah was deposited onto the dry land. He literally came out of a watery tomb, didn't he? Ah, we have come to the empty tomb tonight. And the angel could say to those that were coming, they were wondering, Who's going to roll away the stone? Well, we have spices that we want to anoint him with. Who's going to do it? It's, it's re- These were women. And when they came, stone was gone, rolled away. And there was a messenger, and he said, "Uh, you're seeking Jesus? He's not here. He's not here. He has risen, as he said. Come here. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And tonight, we want to tell you that the tomb is empty. He's the victor. He has triumphed. Death could not hold him. He tasted death for every man and came out the other side triumphant. And tonight, we want to tell you, that there is a real living Savior tonight. He still has the marks of Calvary. and He'll have them forever. But tonight you're in view. And he wants you to understand that what he did at the cross was for you and for your sins. The Bible says, as many as receive him, as many as will accept him, as many as will appreciate him for themselves, as many as receive him, to them he gives the authority, the power to become part of the family of God. The new birth takes place. You're brought into God's family. Your sins are forgiven. It's all found in the living Christ. I trust you receive him tonight. And be able to sing, He took my sins away.
0: Yes, salvation is a personal thing. Christ died not just for sins or even for our sins. The crucial question is this, has he died for my sins? That is what brings a new birth into the family of God and a radical change in our lives as we no longer live to ourselves and to sin, but unto God. Have you taken the gospel personally for yourself? You need to. Look to the person of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, not to a church, a system of beliefs, or even a spiritual leader. Trust Christ alone today. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website, at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gathering Center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.